0: Welcome to this edition of the Padres On Deck Podcast. This week, Bill Center of Padres.com and John Conniff of Mad Friars are joined by Padres International Scouting Director Chris Camp. We're taking a look at the Cuban and Venezuelan prospects in the system, the youth across the system, the talent that currently makes up the Tri City Dust Devils, and much more in this edition of the Padres On Deck Podcast.
1: Good afternoon, Padre fans. This is Bill Center, and welcome to this edition of Padres On Deck, the podcast. Uh, I'm joined today by the uh, Padres uh, Director of International Scouting, Chris Kemp. Good afternoon, Chris.
2: How's it going, Bill?
1: Good. It's going great. And, of course, uh, my my, uh, cohort from uh, madfriars.com, John Conniff. Uh, John, how are you doing today? I'm doing good, Bill. How are you,
0: Chris? Ed, I'm doing well.
1: been a pretty good week in the uh, two weeks in the Padres system. We're getting close to September call-ups, and uh, we're going to start today's conversation uh, with Chris. And, uh, Chris, you're all things international, so if uh, you want to update us real quick on the uh, Padres, uh, the, the international players in the minor leagues, uh, it seems like we're on a really good run here. If you could give us an overview, we'd appreciate it.
2: Yeah, no problem. I guess um, you know, off the top of my head, what you know, really excited about the you know, the five Cubans. Um, you know, obviously there was a lot of work and, and homework and and scouting process that went into those guys and you know, obviously their stories, you know, leaving their families and, and, and you know, coming from Cuba and then the political situation down there. So you know, kept a close watch on, you know, Baez and Morion and Ronald Bolaños, who had a great outing last time out. Jorge Oña, who has been very consistent for us. And then Osvaldo uh, Hernandez, um, who had a nine-strikeout outing. So, you know, really excited about the development um, of those five Cubans. You know, and then I think you look at a guy like Henry Henry, who uh, was 93-96 in the All-Star game uh, in the Northwest League. You've got Andres Munoz, who's been 96 to 100 in his last couple outings, um, and then you look at a guy like Luis Patino from Colombia, a little under the radar, uh, who went five innings, no hit last night uh, in Arizona. So, you know, I could keep going, but you know, there's a we feel really good about the depth, um, the early returns so far um, from the last couple of years of international signings.
1: You know, let's talk a moment about Patino because not a name that a lot of people I mean everybody is following the cubans this is a 17 year old colombian uh okay. right-hander yesterday had a very interesting line and i know you've looked at the film uh, he allowed a run no hits no walks in uh, five innings he uh hit a batter <laughs> and there was a balk in the second inning which so how the runner get around
2: yeah i think just like you said i think there was a hit by pitch um you know, I think there might have been like a ground ball that advanced a runner, uh, you know, a balk and then, then maybe another ground ball, you know, so it was you know, just kinda worked out of some a little bit of traffic on that, but you know, they go five innings, no hits, uh the seventeen year old in that league, you know, notorious offensive league. You feel pretty good about what Patino's at right now. You know, on the film he was working ninety one to ninety four uh with a slider that was eighty to eighty three and and I think you're seeing a kid uh starting to find himself a little bit, you know, he was a converted shortstop out of Barranquilla, Colombia, and um, pretty excited about what Ben and Sam have been able to unlock out of that guy. Interesting that last week, or over
1: the weekend, Andy Green actually mentioned the fact that he was in watching film on a 17-year-old Colombian pitcher, which I would imagine is (laughs) Patino, when the yes, manager sir. that far along <laughs> mentions that he was in watching film
2: on a 17 on a year old, that says something about the uh, young man right there. It does. And I think it probably even says just as much about Andy and in, in showing how involved he is in our process and believing what we're doing at the lowest level as far as acquiring the talent and, and seeing their production even in Arizona. So, you know, for Andy to be paying attention to a guy like that, you know, makes me feel proud. Because you, you know we're in this thing for the long haul, and you know, hopefully in the next three or four years, you know Patino will be on the mountain, Petco throwing for Andy.
0: Go ahead, John. I, I had a I had a quick question, Chris. This is John Connor from com. I mm-hmm. talked to you uh, last year about Adrian Warhol. I just was up there and I got to see him pitch and uh, with the Dust Devils, and uh, I hope you could kind of retell the story about he was kind of the guy that led you guys decided decide to go over slot. And from what I recall, you saw him put throw about one inning and you were kind of convinced in the 15 and under world championships. Is that kind of is that true or am I getting yeah. that that wrong?
2: No, yeah, well it was actually, you know, it was actually after Adrian had defected from Cuba. Um, <laughs> you know, that I never saw him in the 15 and under, and I was still with Texas cuz he threw in August of 2014. Um, or so when he defected from Cuba and made his first showcase, first time I ever laid eyes on him in the Dominican Republic, uh, he threw one inning. It was 90, 93. And it was, it was something that I hadn't quite seen out of a kid that, that age from a left-hander. And yeah, for that first inning, I, I vividly remember calling AJ saying, Hey, you know, get your butt down here, grab coach Welke <laughs> while you're at it. You know, Logan White. You know, this is this is going to be our guy, and, and then that kind of started the ball rolling as far as that that class and the process that went into that class. I have one more
0: question. You know, question I, people talked about, about the go. velocity with him, and. Mm-hmm. Um, but the thing is, everyone always talks about most of him as his poise. Is that the first, is that the
2: biggest thing yeah, that you notice? it is. And I, I just saw it, John. I mean, I was in Fort Wayne for his first outing. That was the first Marley game I've seen all year. Really haven't come out of my scouting shell. You know, we we want to keep adding on We keep looking to the future. But, you know, I made sure I went to Fort Wayne to watch Adrian. That was a big moment for him, big moment for me to, to see him throw on that stage and you know the stuff was great, but it, it you know he'd strike out a guy at ninety four, ninety five, and he just walks around the mound like he's been doing it for twenty years. You know, there's like no sweat, and he's really not phased by anything. Chris, how tough is the
1: assimilation for the teenage, the, the younger kids coming from Cuba to the United States? Is that a mm-hmm. different type of assimilation? than you would have, say, with a player from the Dominican Republic or Venezuela?
2: I think the biggest thing well, you know, I think Venezuela is another topic we can discuss um later on. But you know, I, I do think that the kids coming from Cuba it is a little different because I do think there is that possibility where these guys might not ever see their family again. Okay, based on just the political situation and you know, visa stuff and and them really not being allowed to go back to the country. And, uh, yeah, I do think it is a little different. And I think all five of these guys, you know, in our scouting process showed us to have, you know, plus makeup and and above-average toughness where we believed in them as far as their work ethic. And, and, you know, they've all got a goal and a vision in their mind. and, And right now they're all going to get it. and They're going together. And it's fun to watch.
1: How do you? I mean, are there is there a special program involved at Fort Lane that you uh, that you deal with the the assimilation of the Cubans? Or I'm sure you mm-hmm. just they're not out in their own.
2: No, no, I think that that you know goes back to our whole development crew. You know, from Sam Ganey, Mark Pryor, um, you know, all those guys involved. You know, we we run a lot of coordinators. Uh, a lot of guys from the office in and out of Fort Wayne and, and our coaching staff there led by Anthony Contreras. Those guys are doing a great job. I mean, I was just in the locker room after the game and it's you'd already feel like these guys are adapted and, and have been here a long time, you know, and it's it's a very natural, comfortable feeling in that Fort Wayne locker room right now. It's, it's fun to be a part of. There's, they've certainly taken off.
0: John, go, go ahead. Okay. okay, I got a quick question is, one thing, and you might, I'd really like to hear what you have to think about this, Chris, is when I've watched some of the Cuban players um, perform compared to the Dominican guys, I mean, it mm-hmm. seems like the Cuban guys are a little more advanced in and, and the coaching from the program they came from. How do you kind of compare just for the five guys? You have the Cuban guys to a lot of the Dominican kids that you're scouting and eventually signing Um
2: yeah, I think, you know, one thing we've learned, you know, or at least I've learned, you know, in the last three years in this um you start to dig and ask questions about the process in Cuba and, and how these players are found and what they go through. Well, you know, they have a specialized school where where kids start training and they focus on one sport, um and their education level and their education process is probably a little further ahead, um, just as far as a society and government standpoint in Cuba where You know, these guys are are being trained at a very young age and specialized in a very structured, disciplined program. Um, So I do think that gives them a little bit of an edge um, versus some other places.
1: You know, you mentioned Venezuela, and the Padres have been Mm -hmm. very active in Venezuela. Um, Yes, sir. A little tough right now, I would imagine, for a young Venezuelan when he is also dealing with what's going on back Mm -hmm. in the native Country and their families. How how is that affecting what you're seeing on the field at all?
2: Well, I, anything it's, it's 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 almost a by byproduct. It's creating some hungry, motivated players. Um, it's creating some toughness. And, and the guys that we're signing out of Venezuela, you know, they're they're playing their butt off and they're all working hard. And you know, the the country by no means is easy right now. I was just down in there and it's not a safe place. I won't be going back for a while. Um, and uh, it's, it's very difficult, and you know I have a lot of respect uh, for our scouts down there, for all the young players coming up here in the future, the trainers. Um, it's just very, very difficult right now down there, um, but we're going to keep scouting. We're going to find a way to, to keep adding on in that country, and um, our thoughts and prayers are with all the families of our Venezuelan players that are down there right now. You've got some
1: really good Venezuelan uh, prospects, too. I mean, mm-hmm. I would imagine they're almost uh, I mean, the class is almost as big as the Cubans. I'm probably bigger. What is mm-hmm. a couple names out of that class?
2: Um, well, yeah you know, from last year, you know you're looking at Justin Lopez, who's mm-hmm. the youngest player in the Northwest league right now, seventeen year old switch hitting shortstop, who's you know he's battling, you know, I think for a kid his age be they're hitting two fifty two sixty. And playing solid defense, you, you feel really good about where he's at. And you look at Gabriel Arias, who could be the best player out of everybody in the Arizona Complex. Gabriel's hitting around 280, playing good defense. Uh, you got Kelvin Melion from the 2015 class, uh, who's doing some things in Northwest League. You got Ronaldo Ilarasa, who's one of the youngest players in the Midwest League as an 18-year-old. Um, yeah, so that little group of Venezuelan infielders, uh, we're, we're very proud of right now, uh, as far as their development.
1: You know, when the season ends, uh, will uh-huh. they be going back to Venezuela? Or are you are you
2: planning on maybe keeping well? these guys here over the winter? Well, that's that's something me and uh, Ben Sistovitz were talking about about ten minutes ago. You know, it's you know, I think you know there's we've got the option of keeping them in Peoria for an extended time. You know, hopefully the, the situation can calm down a little bit. In, in Venezuela, you've got, you know, we can send them to the DR complex and they can keep training um, in the Dominican and, and keep training. You know, we you know, I think we're just going to play it by ear. You know, we've, uh, we've got our, our scouts on the ground informing us daily of kind of what's going on. And so we're just going to have to ride this thing out into the fall and, and use our best judgment to keep our guys safe. I that that is I don't know if you've ever probably dealt with a situation like this uh, before. No, it is it's scary. It's scary. I was just down there. I'm telling you guys, like you're talking about roads being blocked, streets barricaded. There's there's uh, there's a lot of danger in the streets right now. And, and I went to three different towns, and you know it's uh, it's not something I want to be sending our players back into right now. So I think mean, we'll play it by either this fall and. Hopefully things uh settled settle down. Uh one more be- Chris, before we let you get going, I'm
1: I'm taking up mm-hmm. some of your time here. Would yeah, you like to fine. discuss the current signing class? The uh the class that mm-hmm. uh you know we started signing in July. Uh, who are some of the names to watch next year who might be in Arizona? Uh, the pipeline uh, begins yep. with uh question mark.
2: Yeah, no, I think the the one guy uh, off the early returns right now. This is all uh, kind of a personal favorite of mine coming into the class, and he's been he's been performing well down in the complex uh, in some simulated games. Is uh, Jerry Landings. Uh He's a six three switch hitting shortstop uh, from outside of Barquisimeto, Venezuela. Um, you know, Jerry's a guy that that's going to show you a plus arm, and it's it's an easy swing from both sides. And I think once we add on to that six, three frame, you, you've got a chance to, to be something pretty good. So that, that name is really jumps out. And then another Venezuelan outfielder, uh, Angel Solarte uh, who had a couple home runs down the DR last week in some games, um, you know, true center fielder in mean, the six, five, six, six runner. He's got a 60 arm and, uh, you know the toolset, something to be excited about. Considering you know we we're you know, I guess under penalty, you know couldn't sign anybody for more than three hundred thousand, and to land a couple of guys like Landines and Solarte we felt pretty good about.
0: I have one more question before Chris goes. Mm-hmm. And Chris, you know you're talking so much about how uh, how dangerous Venezuela is. At the same time, mm-hmm. the Padres under the penalty for two years. Is mm-hmm. there a possibility that you can get some really good value? for uh, the players that you're yeah,
2: seeing. Yeah, you know, I'll give you, you know, Jerry Landines I think, is a prime example. Um, is a smaller town kid in Venezuela, and I kept going in there. You know, I, I remember first seeing Jerry, and I was like, man, this is, this is kind of my guy. And their expectations early on, the, the number was pretty high, and I kept going back. And every time I'd go back or every time I'd go in there, there was no other directors around and it's just a lot of teams have pulled out, and I kind of kept going in there and built a really good relationship with the trainer and the kid and ended up working out for us. So I I think there is some – on one side, yeah, you can go in there and build really strong relationships and and get ahead of some teams, but on the other side, you you are vulnerable to to some danger. So we've got to kind of walk that tight line, and I think right now we'll kind of be pulling back the reins a little bit for now. Okay. Chris, I want to thank you for joining us. I think we kept you a little
1: bit longer than we uh, no, told you. Ah, we <laughs> we tend to lie like
2: that. So Hey, well, uh, got talk. I, I, we can talk baseball all day. So if y'all want to call me back later or any time, y'all let me know. Well, maybe in a couple of weeks we'll have you back. Hey, that'll work. Hopefully the guys keep performing and we got a reason to talk.
1: Oh. <laughs> I, you know what? Every day I do the minor league report every day. And it's like every day there's a standout player. Uh, like yesterday, it was both Rosario's Jason mm-hmm, and Eagle. Exactly. both both had good days. And it's like every day uh, there's a Patino, and it's just fun mm-hmm. to watch the uh, the Latin players in the uh, Arizona Rookie League and Fort Wayne and Tri Cities, for that matter.
2: Yep, you know it is exciting. You know we actually had an all employee meeting. Um, here today at Petco, was the first one I've been a part of you know, obviously I'm on the road you know, 90% of the time away from San Diego and and Ron Fowler gave a you know a speech to, to all the employees in attendance and attendance and you know talking about the future and hey it's the waves are coming and uh, you know there's a lot to be excited about right now so I think everybody's on board and, and excited for the future. so I keep working hard. They're so young. <laughs> oh, it's crazy.
0: <laughs> they are really
1: young. Hey, Chris, uh, thank you very much, and we'll be talking to you soon.
2: Yes, sir. You easy. For... See you, John. See you, Bill.
1: So, John, one of the things uh, we touched on a little bit was uh, Tri-Cities, where a lot of the uh, Latin American players uh, ha- have really been uh, – Making their mark uh, this summer. I know you've been up there. Uh, you want to discuss Tri Cities real quick?
0: Yeah, I mean the guy. Kind of we touched on a little bit is Morhone and you know I think he's important because you know this is a guy that got the biggest bonus in Padres history, and so to see him doing real well there, move up and do well in the first start in Fort Wayne. You know this is someone who I think if he puts together a solid last month in the Midwest, like we could see him at 19 and in the Cali starting next year. I mean, he is everything that, uh, that Chris talked about. He's incredibly poised, and there were three quality pitches, up, down, side to side, and he was a lot of fun to watch. I, get, I was able to catch his last start up there, so it was a good time.
1: Another pitcher up there that uh, from, from that uh,
0: international
1: uh, class of uh, Henry Henry, which you don't hear much of because you hear of A you hear of, uh, Bohan, you hear the Cubans. Uh, Henry Henry is doing very well. Uh, just uh, pitched a, a, a solid inning in the Northwest Pioneer League All-Star Game. And I know you've seen Henry
0: Henry. Well, you know, we both agree he's got a great name, one of the best names in baseball. Um, but he's pitched very well. I mean, he's gone seven innings in two of his last three starts. And when I talked to Ben Fritz, his manager, who was a former first-round pick of the A's in 2002 as a pitcher, um, he talked about the development of his slider, and that's the biggest thing. It keeps guys from focusing too much on his fastball. But, you know, he's about a good six four and a half, about 190, very athletic. So he's someone to keep an eye on, too, up there that I like quite a bit. And, of course, there were three, uh, three kids at shortstop. I think two of them are 18, and one just turned 17.
1: Uh, that would be Milleen, uh, uh, um Almanzar, and uh, – well, Arias is in uh, – Who's, who am I missing here?
0: Missing Lopez. Lopez is probably ah. the kid that, uh, that he would talk about, uh, Chris is talking about, that just turned right. 17, probably the best defensive player of the bunch. But, you know, when they kind of get asked about, you know, where these guys are going to fit on the Padres, and, you know, which is, are all valid questions, you know, they're kind of so far away at this point, it's really just getting them acclimated to the country Acclimated to playing professional baseball, you know, learning how to play PlayStation at three in the morning before a game that's coming up, and uh, but they have a lot of talent. I mean, Lopez, you know, Lopez is in two sixty eight, he he would be a junior in high school if he were in in the states, which is amazing to me. And that's
1: a, that's a pretty good level league. I mean, not even some of your top uh, draft picks make it to. Uh, the uh, Northwest League the first year, you, you got to realize that that's not rookie-level ball. That's a half-step above. So for a 16-turned-17-year-old, that's quite a step.
0: Oh, oh, it's no, amazing. You know, mo- a lot of the guys he's playing against are people that just finished playing three years of college. So, you know, as you said, that's a very impressive step.
1: And he would be a junior in high school, like you said, <laughs> which is really impressive. Yeah. Um when you I like the idea of the five cub the five Cubans now all being in Fort Wayne being on the same team at the same time. Uh do you think that the Padres probably will try to move them along as a group, uh, to sort of keep them together as as like their own little family here? Uh, what are your
0: thoughts? Oh, kind of. I mean, you know, I remember at spring training, you would see those guys together quite a bit. Onya and, uh, you know, Morahone I know, were particularly close. You know, and along with the two pitchers, Baez and Bologna, I think one of them is down in the Arizona Lake though know, right now. I think that's Osvaldo Hernandez. He was sent down from Tri-Cities. But, right. you know, the guy that I think we talked about a little bit um, last podcast, who just has kept on... Going is bias. Who you know? If anyone gets a chance to see this guy in person, I mean, this is a monster. I mean, this guy is—I mean, in a very nice way. I mean, he's six foot eight. He's six foot eight. Very foul two forty. Yeah, I mean, he's just huge. And uh, he gets—I mean, right now he has a zero point nine one ERA in twenty nine point two innings, forty seven strikeouts against three walks, but. I think you and I talked a little bit about this off the air, and we could go on. you are starting to see, you know, a lot of the prospects centered around Fort Wayne and it's low A and San Antonio in the double A level. Uh, they could have they have a chance to have two teams
1: go deep into their postseason runs in the, particularly the way Fort Wayne's playing in the second half and. San Antonio has dominated their division. They have two teams that could go very deep into the playoffs, into the postseason playoffs in their respective leagues. It'll be very, yeah, I mean, it'll yeah. be very, I love, I love the makeup of the San Antonio team. It seems like every time they move somebody in there, Jacob Nix has just joined them, it gets a little bit stronger. I, I, I love that team, and I love the way it played after a very
0: slow start. It picked up, but, you know, at the same time, and, and you know this because uh, you do the same thing we do, you write a daily report, is that, you know, there's been some some bumps lately for the pitchers, you know, like Eric Lauer and uh, Kyle, Kyle Quantrill. I mean, double A's at a different level. You know, hitters have a little bit different approach. But what we're seeing now is kind of what you said. We're seeing a lot of talent there, and talent usually finds a way to figure things out. I mean, Lauer had a better outing last time. But Joey Lucchese has just really kept on – on rolling. the strikeouts aren't as high, but you know, he's a 2.35 ERA and, and five starts, which is impressive.
1: Very impressive.
0: Uh, you know, when we talk,
1: there are so many pitchers in the organization and uh, we, we saw a little bit of the first wave this year with uh, Phil Maton and, uh, the Lamette is up, are up here. Uh, who do you think will be the next group that, uh, Reach the majors, and uh, when do you think that might be? And when do you see the uh, third wave coming in?
0: Well, you know, I think there's going to be a brief, a little mini wave we might see in September. You know, credits do with Michael Kelly, who you and I have both talked about a lot in Walker Lockett. But to answer your question, I think the next wave is really going to be in the second half of next year when we see you know, Quantro, McKenzie, and probably Lauer come up. But then I think what's kind of going to be really be fun for a lot of project fans, you're just going to see a wave coming like each year. You're going to see probably Nix and Logan Allen, you know, then we're going to see, you know, probably, you know, more home, hopefully when Espinosa gets healthy, you know, Michael Baez, Baez. they're a little quicker than we want. And, you know, the guys in the Arizona league who we're probably going to all see next year and, in Fort Wayne at some time the Padres selected four pretty quality pitchers that are gonna be led by Mackenzie Gore, you know, uh Sam Keating, Joey Cantillo, who I hope I got his pronunciation right, and and Bellinger's uh, old brother. Cole Bellinger, I think will be a lot well, of fun to watch too. And Patino. Yep, I mean you Patino. gotta put
1: you gotta put Patino in that group too. It is interesting. That's sort of how I look at it too, that yeah the next wave is not going to be so big. And then you've got the, you got Lauer, Quantrill, Lucchese. They're all going to come along at the same time. And then the the group led by the Cubans are going to be there. It's, it's going to be a very interesting couple of years uh, starting, I think probably late 18 and uh, 1920 of guys uh, reaching the majors. Uh, And of course we all know with pitching prospects that it can, it, You know, things happen. There are injuries, and there are guys that reach a certain level and don't move on. But when you've got the depth of 15, 16 guys like I've counted, I'm sure you've counted the same number, uh, it's very exciting for
0: the future. Well, one thing is, you 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 and I have both done this for a long time, and I would think you, maybe you agree with me on this, is like the difference is you know, we're not just talking about one or two or three guys. We're talking about a big group of guys. And I think exactly right. what you said is people get – these guys can get hurt, just the nature of the game and how pitching is. But when there's so many that are coming, you take a look at Anderson um, Espinosa went down, Chris Paddock went down this year, and you and I still have about more guys than we can – talk about
1: and there's limits for this podcast right well we we talked about that a couple you you're not dependent on those guys like they've been dependent on one or two in the past and when you lose one and you're going to lose a couple it's in the past it has been like a thunderstruck because that was your guy who was coming along right now you've got you have you know you've got a dozen guys out there Whose names excite me, and uh, yes, Espinoza, Paddock. You hope, you know, you you think that uh, in this day of Tommy John, they're going to be back, but you've got so many other guys. You're not depending on those guys anymore. The other thing I like about the pitchers now, it used to always be pitchability guys that the Padres would be bringing up, and it's and now it's guys with tremendous ceiling. And you only need you know, you don't need everybody to break through, but you know somebody's gonna break through.
0: Yeah, I I have a good quick story on that. One year I was down in San Antonio when they had the staff you do remember Weber Block, and they had uh Josh Gere and uh Oh yeah you know, Caesar Ramos and I talked to right. Randy Reddy. They were the all the pitchability I, guys, right. Right. And not one Go of ahead. them broke ninety the whole time I was down there. And I remember asking him, and Randy Reddigan, who I liked to watch, he me his really good speech about, well, the first thing you look upon is vocation, then movement, then velocity is about the third. And this one pitcher who I talked to, I was explaining to him what Reddy said and how smart I was about this. And this guy, Paul Abraham, who would come off, saying, well, all that's true, but also everybody misses. And I used to throw 95, and now I throw 86. And let me tell you the difference between missing 95 and 86. It's a long, long home run. And down, these guys, all of them, you know, have some serious stuff.
1: I think that's, you put it, I remember when they had LeBlanc and gear and those right. guys down there and they were all the same mode. They were all pitchability guys, good location, not a lot of walks, but they had that upper limit in the, in the fastball. And, and eventually they just sort of fizzled out. Although Wade LeBlanc is still in the major leagues with the Pirates. Okay, listen. Yeah, right, As a reliever. This is going to wrap up today's uh, edition of Padres on Deck podcast. He is John Conniff of madfriars.com, and you can follow him on Twitter at madfriars. I am Bill Center uh, of padres.com and also MLB uh, blogs, Friar Wire. That's mlb.blogs.com FriarWire. And you can follow me on Twitter at uh, at Padre Central. Uh, John, have a good couple of weeks. We'll be talking to you again. Next time we're talking, we're going to be talking about uh, September call ups. And so uh, no start, uh, start getting your call up list ready. We'll see how close you come, how close I come. John, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. Fans, have a good uh, couple weeks. We'll talk to you soon.